Hi, I'm Russell Kane, and welcome to the first ever episode of Pack Your Bags with Tui. I am buzzing like a bee on a Barocca just to be here because I'm going to be meeting so many inspirational people from all different disciplines, sports, science, entertainment, historians, and they're going to be sharing with me all their travel adventures, things that go right, things that go wrong, how it's developed them as people, what they've learned, how traveling can make you see yourself in a different way, let alone see the world in a different way. How it works is simple. We ask each guest to tell us their three must-pack items, each one revealing more about them them and their travel adventures. I also asked to see their passport. Yes, this is, I'm going to admit it, partly to make fun of their cheesy photos, but it's also a way for me to find out where they have travelled and what that passport has unlocked for them. And this opening episode, we have a belter. Prepare your tourniquets, prepare your medipack, because I'm joined by Jason Fox from SAS Who Dares Wins, who's going to pack his bags with Tui. Welcome to Pack Your Bags, I'm Russell Kane, and this episode I'm joined by Jason Fox, a former Royal Marine Commando and Special Forces Sergeant and presenter of Channel 4's hugely successful Who Dares Wins, which I absolutely love. Jason, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for inviting me in. No, welcome to Pack Your Bags with Tui. I didn't know if you were going to turn up with a Bergen. Well, it's, it's a green sort of rucksack, so yeah, it could be classed as one. Exactly, backpack. Do you struggle with like a regular hand luggage or suitcase? Do you prefer something on your back after yeah. years of doing it? Yeah, I'm not good with the old wheelie bags. No, I'm a backpack user as well. I was mocked for it at college. Now it's become in fashion. <laughs> Jason's here to chat about his travel experiences and he's brought his three must-pack items with him. But before we get into that, I need to make sure your paperwork is in order, Jason. Have you got your passport? I, I have. I have. Hang on. And have you got like two types of passport? Have you got like a military one and an official one, or do you just get one regular passport? I've got like one, us? one normal one, and then I've got a few with different aliases. Are you joking? <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> I went Jason Bourne then. I was so excited. Wow, that, that, that you look really different. Do I? Yeah, I suppose a lot younger. That's why. <laughs> this would have been taken in 06. So what were you doing in 06 then? I was in. You were in. The, I was in the special forces. Yeah. Cutting around like a fly. I bet your stamps are good, aren't they? Mexico. No, I don't know if I've... You're doing in Mexico. I don't know what ones are Let's in there. take Cancun. The all-inclusive's gone AWOL. <laughs> What's Dangerous that one? Place, that a bit of Turkish there. Was that holiday or was that business or pleasure? Turkish. That was um, when and saw me old man. He lives on a boat in the Med, just cuts around, sails around, living the dream. Really? Yeah. How come he's ended up doing that? Just because he got fed up with the rat race. He was working over here. He lived in Wiltshire. He turned around to me and my brothers and was like, one day he said, I'm selling my house and I'm buying a boat and I'm going. And we were like, yeah, whatever. And literally six weeks later, he's like, see you later, I'm off. And has he found that experience enriching? Was he in his element sailing around the world on his own or did he? Loves it. Yeah. Loves it. He's like become younger. No way. Yeah, it's really, I've, I've found it reasonably inspirational. Right, we're going to dive into your bag. Yeah. What yep. is item number one? Item number one, there's five of them, but they're the same pants i've done this for a long long time but i pack and i plan to pack as if i'm gonna poo my pants <laughs> like You'd make three, a good or comedian. Time, three or four times a day <laughs> so i i overpack with the pant on the pant side of things because you're I talking boxer shorts here boxer for our shorts, american yeah. listeners yeah sorry <laughs> oh yeah 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 boxer shorts underwear why is that? Because you're on the move you're on you're in the... high pressure environments eating weird food or you're just someone who no, no, no. I mean, I've got a reasonably um, reliable gut. Yeah. But 
I just, I don't know, I've got this weird thing in my head and I have obviously, I've been, on the odd occasion, I have been caught out and yeah, I travel to different places, I eat weird food. End of last year, I travelled to um, Vietnam and um, ate something that I wasn't too, I couldn't identify it (laughs) and uh, it had had huge ramifications (laughs) later on that day. So, yeah. You were like, the spare pant came out? Yeah, and it was it was good to go because I had spare pants. And, and what, so, what was Vietnam like? What were you doing there? Uh, we were there filming SAS Who Dares Wins. And do you only get to do the SAS stuff when you're there or afterwards do you have a holiday? Do you explore or take so, in the sights of it? You, d- you can if you want to. On that occasion, I couldn't really spend too long out there. So we got out there. We do get to see a fair bit because you travel around. You set or you, yeah, you basically prepare to to make or film the series so you do get to see a fair bit but you are working but on that occasion we finished and um me and the other three lads we had a night out in a, in a town called Nin Bin which is just south of Hanoi and it was awesome because of what the world has gone through for the last two or three years mm. last October 2022 we were in this um bar it was part of a host, a youth hostel and we were just sat at the bar drinking, watching young people have a crack and it was awesome. It was just, you could see people like, you know, they they suddenly found out that they could travel when it was... Yeah, letting off steam. Yeah. It was You're awesome. like, I'm going to join in. No, I'm not. Just off to the toilet. Too late. <laughs> so, growing up, you joined the military really young, didn't you? You mm. were about 16. Yeah. What was it travel that inspired you to do it was it your domestic situation a combination of both or you couldn't think of what you wanted to do probably a combination of all the above i grew up in a in a town called luton yeah i know my granddad lives there does he yeah my granddad peter lives in luton he's 92 still goes out like playing bowls goes on holiday and all sorts good lad i know i mean yeah luton so i know it i grew up in luton i was i didn't do well at school Uh, i did absolutely horrendous at school to be honest and I somehow at the age of 16 knew I needed to get out get out of there and so the military was the route I took how did your family react to that your dad was was your dad in the military himself yeah not at the time he'd he'd left years before but he had been in the military so had my mum but I wouldn't have said we were a military family it just they'd done their time as youngsters so there was a little bit of a a bias you know I thought well if I'm going to do something that might as well be it. But were they res- were they resistant? Because like, no. say if my daughter, she's only seven, but if she's like, I'm going to be a stand-up comic, I'll be like, no, because I know what's coming. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but You can't see my scars, they're on the inside. <laughs> uh, so I didn't know, somehow you might get a mum or dad that'll be like, don't do that. So they were pro your my, my old dear couldn't wait to get rid of me. Right. <laughs> she was like, where do I sign along the dotted line? <laughs> where is this dotted line? So the sense of adventure runs in the family then, because we've already established your dad sailing around the med on a boat. Yeah, definitely. And and does that run through with the other, all of the foxes, the whole litter? My, uh, (laughs) (laughs) All the cubs. My, uh, the next cub down, uh, Matt, he he joined the Marines as well, but a little bit after me. No way. Uh, He did a long, long career in the Marines. And then the youngest, Jamie, he's the one that's got the brains. He's very good with people. He's social and... He ended up leaving school and ended up running bars and nightclubs, London, Bournemouth. He's lived in Spain. So, yeah, I suppose he's travelled as well, but in a different way. So he's the, sort of the only non-military one, really? Yeah. Do you, give, do you rib him about that? So like, what are you going to do? Pour um, a Sambuca in a defensive way? 
<laughs> not really, because he was very useful um, because he ran nightclubs. So if we ever wanted to get in somewhere, and normally uh, the old military types aren't allowed because we're frowned upon. I get mocked by my family because everyone's got proper jobs and I like pond stuff skipping about do on they? stage. What do they say? Well, my dad's like, look at my... Was, it's gone now. Look at my hands. That's a proper job. Split fingers, a real job, boy. What did he do? Get a tray, get a lagger, putting All insulation right. on the outside of pipes, yeah. crawling down in a boiler house. And I'm like, what do you think of this dance routine? Is that funny? <laughs> get out! Please bring a bird home, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> did you travel a lot as children then? Did you have any travel experiences? I mean, travel can be like a bug that you catch, can't it? Or it can just be something that occurs spontaneously. I mean, we didn't have, you know, my mum and dad didn't have a lot of cash. And so we, I never went abroad as a kid. But we used to like, I remember long journeys down to Cornwall or we did like camping trips to Cornwall or camping trips up to Scotland. So we did travel, but not, not in and out of airports and stuff like that. They came later. What was it like the first time you actually went abroad? I can remember I was 11 and we went to Menorca and I might as well have gone to space. I couldn't <laughs> believe You know, the first time you're on a plane and it takes off, you can't believe it. I was 12 years old. I've got a couple of stories that go sit in line with that exact question. So the first time I went abroad, it was on a boat and it was with the Marines. So we basically sailed from the UK and we ended up, we bounced through Magaluf, so we stopped in Parma. It was carnage. Like your first Marines, the and most then, dangerous mission of all. We ended up in Sardinia for that. That we were there oh, for a, a, mili a, mili a military exercise. But the first time I flew in a plane, I jumped out of it. Oh my so I was, god! I was eighteen. I was on my parachute course, and that's the first time you'd ever gone up in the air. Yeah, yeah. And I was, yeah, I was. Well, I'd been in helicopters before because of the military thing you yeah. trained. Bit, but my first time. In a plane, I jumped out of it. And what was it like the first time you set foot on foreign soil? Not everyone's British. Because I, I was 11, 12 years old. It's such a strong memory of hearing people speak Spanish. And I was just in a holiday resort in Menorca. But if you've led quite a small, if you like, existence, loot and few camping holidays here and there, it must have blown your mind. Or were you too focused on... I was too excited. Well, the first place in Magaluf. Yeah, exactly. Too, too focused on the... Uh, so many different oh. northern accents. <laughs> <laughs> Bangers and mash for lunch. <laughs> uh, no, I was excited. I was like young. It was, I just started a career and I was just... I couldn't wait to... It, 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 to be honest, it was a little bit of a um, anti-climax because my first place abroad was Magaluf. With a load, basically with a load of Brits that wanted to get on the source. And so I was like, it was when we got to Sardinia and I started working with other people from other nations. I was like, oh, wow, this, you know, the world's massive. And there's all these people that speak different languages and I've got to try and understand what's going on here because they're different cultures. But it was good. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Talking of extreme cultural differences, uh, the, the time I've got off the plane most in my life to do stand-up and thought, I can't find anything here to to latch onto apart from the sushi, was Tokyo. I was surprised. I thought, I'll get off. It'll be roughly this, everything will be the same. It was so culturally different. I felt fully abroad, the most abroad I ever felt. That was my personal experience at Tokyo and Japan. I'm wondering, you've been to obviously much further flung corners of the globe. When have you experience the most ex like contrasting cultural difference to our home culture of sort of Luton and KFC and all that I've never been to Japan and uh, I'd love to go there you go and I think that everyone says that it's just like 
it was a borderline another planet yeah, culturally. It is. Yeah, so I'd love to do that. But something that I took a lot from was I had the opportunity to go out to Namibia. Now it was I was filming a pilot, like a teaser for a potential series. It never got picked up, unfortunately. And it was basically me living with a, a tribe, a people. They were called the San. No way. And uh, I spent a week with them, and I went out hunting with the, the men. They, so these, these, these people uh, are nomadic. They move through the desert, and um, they have nothing, pretty much. They go out, they hunt, they, but I've never seen people so happy in the community I've, so I sat down with them and the, the the wives and the women they cooked and made the dinner that you know that we, the, we oh, I say we they caught and I was just watching them and you know they live in the middle of nowhere and uh, I was just watching them and they were so happy with with their culture their lives and I took an awful lot from that Okay, let's go back into your bag. What's item number two? A four-way extension lead. I always bring a four-way gang. I bring one of those as well. These are important because half the time you go to hotels nowadays and there's one plug socket and it's miles away from where you need it. So That's that's an extension lead gang, whatever you call it. You plug it in and you've got four plugs. Also good if in an airport... If, the, if everyone's fighting over one plug socket in the wall, bang yeah. that into the wall. And then charge. Mate. Not just charge, you can charge them. Rent it. Yeah, like exactly. It. So power power is important then. I think power is important in this day I'm and surprised, age. I'm surprised at that one, because I thought you'd be okay with like a, a T-light and sort of navigating from the stars and all that. But the fact that you've packed extra electricity is a surprising one for me. The world, I mean, the electricity is important nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a recent, depends which Welsh village you're living in, I suppose. (laughs) Right, so you've you've experienced adventures all over the world. Did you go diving for treasure in Madagascar? So let let me explain. I got a job working for a production company and I was the crew's medic and the underwater cameraman's dive buddy. And they were filming these archaeologists diving on old school pirate shipwrecks and they were finding bits and pieces like teacups and bottles and then uh, I think it was end of the third week me and Sam who was the cameraman we were sat on the surface with our jackets inflated like bit bit bored really because we were fed up with looking at these guys rummaging through mud and uh, we ended up diving down and sort of like looking about in one of the guys dive sites he was having a bit of a lunch break and we yeah we found um a 55 kilogram bar of silver, oh which was God. attributed to the infamous Captain Kidd. No way. Yeah, but that, that's how I got the job on the show, SAS. Were the other divers a bit, like, pissed off? Well, They've they, they been rummaging around. Man, I found a thimble on week two. Here's a bit of pottery. <laughs> so what happened was they, they go down with, like, toothbrushes and paintbrushes and carefully, like, move the silt <laughs> and sand out of the way. a bar of silver, don't you, Ben? We went down and just, like, <laughs> I just started, like, like literally scraping around in I the dirt. That. Found this thing and then we me and the other bloke sort of panicked. We were like, we've just decimated this dive site and we like threw it back in. There was like a sort of like a hole that had been excavated, threw it back in there, came up. And as we were going up, the guy was going back down to start to restart his, you know, search. And uh, we got out, took like sorted our kit out. And um, 20 minutes later, a guy popped his head up, got out, came over to us like fuming. And he was like, you two come here few expletives thrown in and then he turned to us and he goes you found that didn't you and we're like 
yeah, what is it? He goes, I'm telling you now, that's like a bar of silver. It's a tr- it's one it's part of Captain Kidd's lost oh, silver. Man, he must have been fuming. Yeah. So you said you explained that that was like a turning point for you personally when you're in Madagascar. Mm. Um but can you tell us more about how adventure and extreme sports has been a way of coping? This is like a foreign language for me, because when I want to cope with something, I retreat into my shell or go go for a massage, read a book. Go do, I'll do the opposite of what my life is. My life's non-stop adrenaline. Everyone loves you. Everyone hates you. It's all, you're, you're going to die. You're going to live. You're going to be rich. You're going to be poor. That's what my life's like. You need to be in London. You need to be in Melbourne. So I like to do absolutely nothing, turn into a statue on holiday. That's my coping mechanism is stop. Penguin classic, get on a flight, wherever, I don't care whether it's Turkey, Maldives, wherever, and do nothing, which I'm weirdly good at. <laughs> so I am so I was expecting your coping mechanism to be similar to mine because your life's so full on, but it, I've heard that you use extreme sport to cope, which I find bizarre. I like to, I, di- I know what you mean, I see what you're saying, but it's the, to, to do that stuff, I have to get out and away so I live. I live in London now, which is like the opposite to what I really like. And I, I, I like being here, but I've got to get out into the open and go mountain climbing or or do whatever, like the Yukon River canoeing yeah. down that. And and so for some reason, it's like more the connect with the with nature that is what gets me chilled. Hmm. It's like it, it, yes, there's hectic things that go on, like near death experiences and getting chased by grizzly bears whatever it is but but the but the yeah. is that one of the excursions you can book is it yeah, yeah if you come with me <laughs> if you like yeah, to meet yeah. your rep in reception you can get chased by a bear <laughs> that's 48 euros oh, was, <laughs> if you're lucky it's just one of your mates and it dressed up as that american dude <laughs> war how'd you like that where's my honey <laughs> oh mate yeah <laughs> he, he is like that but um <laughs> Yeah, no, I just I like I just love getting out into nature and then doing something. I've got to be there for a purpose of so doing something a little bit crazy. I, I enjoy travel has led me to. I had a I had a little I had a bit of a stint with with a I had a journey with mental health really, and uh, that journey with mental health taught me at some point along it. I realised that I need to lead or live my life more like an eighteen month old toddler. What do you mean by that? Is that why you've got so many different pants on you? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just go around crapping everywhere. <laughs> no, that's interesting. What do you What do you well, mean by that? Because I spent a little bit of time when I was when I was struggling with mental health. I spent a little bit of time dwelling on the past, overthinking it, worrying about what had already happened, and then in so doing, I was then panicking about the future. What if? this happens what if that happens and it was bizarre that i started to think like that especially having been in the military and i went through this little phase where i suddenly learned with the help of someone else that if you watch an 18 month old a toddler some a kid that's just learned how to be mobile which is a stressful time for an adult actually but if you watch them they will spend like 45 minutes covering a bit of ground that you could do in five seconds. And in that 45 minutes, they will touch things, fall over, hurt themselves, cry, get back up, do the same stuff. And ultimately, they're just living in the now. They are in. They are embracing the now. They don't worry about what just happened and they're not worried about doing it again if they'd hurt themselves. They'll just crack on. Hmm. And I think we can take a lot from that because we spend so little time as adults in the now hmm. and it's the only reality we've got is now and 
I think travel really helps with that because as well as being able to sit with boredom and still stillness, I think stillness is a better word than boredom because I'm never bored mm. when I'm doing nothing on holiday. But you are definitely more present when you're away, aren't you? Like when yeah. you're on holiday, you're in you because you. I think because you're out of what you what you um, what you take for granted. Home's granted sometimes. I have to. I do when I find myself being not ungrateful, but just taking things. I I I'm, I make sure I'm conscious of it, and I'm like, right, stop, and just like. Just take all this in. Yeah. Like, no matter where I am, I could be in a cab driving through London and be like, "Hang on a minute, I need to just take stock of where I am." Mm. Like, people would give their limbs to to be able to visit London. You know, I should be like, "Oh, well, yeah." Yes, yeah. Is it, I, my favorite moment when I'm away is when you first wake up in the morning. You remember you're on, if you're lucky enough to be on holiday, you're on holiday, and you open the, your curtain. You're like, "Bloody hell! Mm. I've got nothing to do today except enjoy myself." Yeah, lucky sod. Right, into the bag for the third time. What's your final item? My final item is called a pocket monkey. It is a very portable suspension trainer. Ah, so it's like, like a resistance bands. Uh, I do carry those as well, but this is my first go-to. So this I can jam it between the door. I can hang it off something and can do like different exercises. It's like a TRX. You heard a TRX? I have, but I didn't know there was such a good travel one because I'm obviously with my job. Yeah. It's part of the reason I'm hosting Pack Your Bags. I live on the road. I yeah. live traveling. That is brilliant. Mon- Pocket Monkey, it's American, was given to me by my good friend, Rudy Reyes, one of the DS on SAS Who Dares Wins. He's a good guy, and it's it's, it's a brilliant bit of kit. Are, are you like me that when you're in a hotel, even if there's a perfectly good gym, you would rather work out in your room using yeah. your, your monkey thing and your resistance band? Yeah. I'm the same. Yeah. What is that? I wonder what that says about us is it psychologically. You don't like people. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like exercising when someone's watching me. Like you know, when someone want to do a bit of banter when you're trying to do a bicep curl or something. By the way, like, you're the first person I've met that's like me that carries equipment and would rather do that than go down to the hotel yeah. gym. I've, I've, it makes me feel great safe that I've got that kit that I can and I like it if you, t- you know when you turn up and you're like oh it's a it's like a decent sized room I've got space to like prance around like that was me last night <laughs> like, but even when it's a tiny corner I'm like well there's a jumping jack there's enough for yeah, a push up yeah 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 exactly I bet you've gone through a few joists and wardrobes that you thought could take the monkey strap <laughs> and have ripped a bit of wood off you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. And it's I, always a cheap door isn't it cheap yeah. door frame just you check out there was damage it was there when I checked in it, it looks like someone's on a TRX it's not and I noticed there's a fourth item nestling underneath there as well. well I feel bad saying this, but I've got a reasonably comprehensive yeah. first aid kit. Now, I carry this all the time um, if I'm cutting around town, which has got scissors, gloves, plasters, um, and an Israeli bandage, which is great for hemorrhage, uh, a, a big bleed. And then where's the other thing? Hold on a second. Is that just a comfort thing through years of having carried that stuff? You like to have a first aid so. kit on you? Or, or you don't genuinely ever need to bust it out, do you? Uh, well, you never know, being in London. So it's more like a kind of... Someone had a little if. wobble in the gym this morning. <laughs> I was like, I've got... A... That's all right, she's just having an anxiety. <laughs> you know, like, are you put... sure she's not bleeding out? I've already got the EpiPen in her neck here. It's easier <laughs> if I deliver the shot. <laughs> <laughs> Better safe than sorry. So you filmed all over the world. Jordan, the Amazon, Morocco. What What's Jordan like? It's a country I know very little about. I've only ever seen it in the news. I didn't realise you can go there and have a poke round and go on holiday and stuff. It's an awesome place. Very friendly, very safe, which is surprising considering where it is yeah. in the world. And amazing people. Um, we actually we actually became 
we became friends with the king while we were over oh. there. Well, they found out that we were filming, and so the king said, oh, can we can we meet? And so we went and met him. And then what happened was I, I'm going off piste here, but um, on the last time we were out there, I broke my leg. So oh, didn't he come and visit you in hospital or something? Yeah. How did you yeah. know that? I, I was having a bit of stalk about you. And yeah, I thought, yeah. Not many people get visited by a king in hospital. It was bonkers. So we... we We'd got a decent relationship with, with the king and his family going on, and he was interested in what we were doing. Anyway, I ended up breaking my leg. Do you mind if I ask how? Because it's not... I, you just um, drop it in there like it's something that's happened to all of us. I, sm <laughs> I, s I smashed it whilst I was abseiling. I, <gasps> I got blown against a, a ledge by a bit of wind, but... While filming for the show? Yeah. So you were demonstrating to the others, this is how it's done properly, and then you... <laughs> yeah, look at me! Yeah, copy this example. Maybe don't copy that exact example. <laughs> Should his leg be pointing that one? <laughs> it is pretty much like that. Um, yeah, so I I got driven straight from there to a, to a military hospital in Akabar, so a, a Jordanian military hospital. I'm in the hospital bed, obviously broken leg. I'm in a room and I could hear loads of screaming and shouting. And then a load of guys poked their heads around the corner. They were covered in gold braid military clothing and I was like hey and then the king popped his head round oh, what have you done and I was like what did the? he bring like grapes and flowers and stuff he basically came in and said oh my I want my surgeons to operate on you and I was like no no I'm all good I'll just need to get home no way yeah. but he was yeah he said he said I thought I'd come and say hello I was in Akaba oh I was like that's mental you haven't stayed in touch have you um I, I sort of we can message yeah are you joking <laughs> yeah. what's happened monarch that is absolutely crazy no way. With these hardcore survival shows, of which I've done one, unbelievably, <laughs> there seems to be varying degrees of how real they keep it when the cameras aren't rolling. How real do you guys keep it? Do, do you chill a bit? Obviously, you, the instructors or the or the governors, <laughs> you, there's no reason. You, can, you guys can do what you like. You're in charge. We sort of, so there is no downtime. So when it, it, we we basically before we go on the show, we we between us and the producers, we formulate we create a training program that lasts fourteen days, Ugh. and then when it starts, it doesn't stop. So we will give them like the recruits, whether they're celebs or not, they will get time in their accommodation where they can sort of square their admin away, sort themselves out, do their feet, whatever. And at, at those periods, normally we're we're working we, we we'll go and do those like meetings where we sat yeah. down in front of the camera talking about the recruits talking about the celebs uh we're setting up the next task or we're getting ready to do that but we do have a bit of downtime in our accommodation so we we have a room you know not far from the the recruits dormitory right where we sleep and chill out and what's the vibe like relax vibe's great we have a laugh yeah yeah we rip into each other so what about at the end? Does, do, do people hang on and there's like a rap, a rap party there with is, canapes and stuff? There's a rap party. They they organise that. We never see the recruits. They don't get invited. Really? Yeah, yeah. They're gone. They're long gone before we... Oh, we man, I would, need, I would need that. Didn't really mean it. I'm actually a nice bloke moment for closure from the people in charge. <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't really happen. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> it's brutal. What sort of holidays do you go on now? Are you still marching up mountains? Are you comfortable though? Can you do like a nice little five star in the Maldives or do you find I'm just going to be out on the sand in a tent? I feel more, I'm more right. than happy with a five star. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> it does sort of, I do, um, I love being out under the stars. 
but I can put up with a five star. Yeah, yeah, you tolerate it. Bit of accommodation, yeah. Are you able just to sit there vegging, or do you have to sort of abseil down the side of the all inclusive in Maldives and like crashing over the smoked salmon? <laughs> I can. Um, I find it hard. Really? Yeah. I like my missus is like just for God's sakes, let's just lie here in the sun, and I'm like, okay, that sounds like a great idea, and I'll lie there. Feel my belly button <laughs> filling up with sweat and it starts to anger me and I'm like, I've got to do something. But yeah. So you prefer an active holiday then? I prefer doing something, you know, and it doesn't need to be super active, but I just like to move around and see stuff. But I've got to bite the bullet sometimes. I've got to have that holiday that, you know, my missus deserves to relax as well. And so I will go and relax. And I do actually enjoy it. And it is, it is always good, isn't it? Mm. Good just to do nothing. Can you plow? Can you plow that active into something mental though? Say so like you could work on the idea for a show, or you could work on a memoir, or you could use your brain whilst your yeah. body being still. Or are you someone that has to physically? No, re more recently, I've managed to do that, and I tell you what's helped me out is the old, um, the old COVID pandemic. You know, I I learned to to embrace boredom, and actually be active in my mind a bit more. Whereas before I used to be like, well, if I'm not moving around actively, physically, I'm wasting my life. And it used to frustrate me. Whereas, you know, when we were in that space, I was like, I need to embrace this and like be happy with mm. boredom or calm and you and, and be a little bit more, you know, proactive in, in using that time. And so I, you know, I, I write stuff think about things, think about ideas, think about ideas for the, the next SAS, you know, different tasks that we could probably do. And would you, so would you say COVID's changed the way you experience travel? Like you can get to a place and think, my God, it's definitely changed it for me. Like I'm so lucky to be out of my house. I'm so lucky to be, I'm better at being still, I think, and just being in nature or realising how lucky I am sort of thing. Yeah, it's changed me. It's, it's definitely made me embrace boredom. I've realised how important it is. Um, and it's also made me appreciate traveling. You know, there was a period where we were like, are we, were we ever going to do this again? Yeah. Well, you think everyone's like, it's like World War II. And I was thinking, bloody hell, that was five years. What yeah. am I actually going to do for five years? I'm a stand up. I was like, you know, one of those budgies that looks at itself in the mirror and then rips all its fur out. So all it's got is like a furry head and a chicken body. That was me by lockdown too. My job's basically getting people in an unventilated room and forcing them to expel air whilst laughing. I'm not did screwed you, Did you panic a lot when at the beginning, like with regard to work? Because you're like... Because I, because I thought, well, if it does go on for five years, what am I actually going to do? Because it's it was based on the... Exp laughter is the... <laughs> aggressive expulsion of air in an enclosed environment and you can't do it on zoom because there's no atmosphere we did though in the end we did we, we how had was to, that it was better than nothing and then work adapted and then we had a lot of a lot of outdoor stuff and in fact i ended up gigging abroad athens was one of the first ones i did but countries where you could plan a gig in advance know that you could be outdoors and know the weather couldn't ruin it well you couldn't do that in the uk yeah yeah so we would go Athens outdoor gig, fantastic. I went to Skopje, North Macedonia, all these obscure places doing comedy. Dubai, I ended up going because you could space people out and do it outdoors. You could do a gig at night. It's not going to rain. It's not... So you ended up using the weather to adapt. But that was a year later, you know, that was later yeah, down, yeah. down the line. But, 
you know, it's relevant for, for, for what we're doing here at Pack Your Bags. Travel saved my ass because I was able to start gigging in other countries. Yes, it was annoying getting around, testing and all that. Yeah. But weather is what is what saved me. So you've done so much. You've been around the world with so many different hats on, literally, if you're in the military. But um, <laughs> what's left? What is there a new experience where you think, God, I'd love to do that? I've done. A, there's a lot of things that I want to do again. Right. More so than... I genuinely really, really want to do something again. And one of the, the thing that I really want to do again is I, I canoed the Yukon River. I want to canoe more rivers. Do you know what's so weird? Because as you were thinking, I was getting ready to jump in with something I did that's the best thing I've ever done in my life. And it was a canoeing experience. And as we've established, I'm not a canoeing type of guy. And it was in something called a Makoro which you do, you fly into Botswana and on the Okawanga Delta wow. out there. And it's a hollowed out log that the locals called a Makoro. And I went out in that. It's dangerous, that. Yeah, well, it was, you know, there's already crocs and stuff, but they all know what they're doing. And you go onto like a little muddy island, dig a drop toilet, tent up, and we camped out in the Okavanga Delta. I had to purify my water with chlorine tablets, another set of ta pills to take away the chlorine taste. That's probably the most full-on thing I've ever done. And I absolutely loved it. There's something to be said for canoes and rivers. What is, what is it? It's bizarre. We're thinking of the same thing. There. I think. I think it's to do with I I. I did the Yukon River the full length, and you, you basically, it's serene. You're in the wilderness, and you're going down something that grows and develops and becomes something different to what it started as. And I think that, I think it's a, it's a proper journey. Yeah. You see, the environment change. And I think maybe it's something to do with that. Anywhere you've not been, you think that's a real gap. I should have been there. Kenya. Kenya. The reason for that is my dad was born there, and he's got some he's got some great stories. So I'd always love to go there. How come your old man was born in Kenya? Um, military or something? No, no. My 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 granddad worked for the post office when it was a big entity, and basically did the empire's communications so he worked for the post office as a communications expert I mean, nan was a clerk for the british embassy it's not a classic music kenya salute and is it no it's not at all no i felt a little bit <laughs> felt a little bit hard done by you oh you got to grow up in kenya i've grown up in luton nice one cheers dad right we're going to move on to some quick fire questions now just answer quickly what comes into your head Last minute trip or planned in advance? Last minute trip. Favourite ever SAS filming destination? Vietnam. Favourite beach destination? Mm. Oh, Rottnest Island, just off the coast of Perth in Australia. Top destination for food? Uh, destination for food is... But they eat well in Jordan, don't they? I, fucking, I love the Middle Eastern cuisine. I, well, I'm going to go, I'm not going to say Jordan, I'm going to say Afghanistan, because that's where I started to really get into the local cuisine, because I lived out there for so long, working out Afghanistan there. Afghanistan food's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, unbelievable. They know how to eat. Sun, sea or snow? Can I have all of the above? <laughs> no. Uh, sun. Aisle seat or window seat? Got Window. Really? Wow. You can't I like, like the you're access. An Israeli bandage, you're ready to go and you're trapped in by the window. I but I like looking out the window. <laughs> Your favourite travel companion? Me missus. You had to say that really, didn't you? Yeah. Otherwise you'd be needing that first aid kit. <laughs> Lay in or early start? Early start. Do you know what? I always wonder how people in the military who do not carry the love getting up early gene, how do they cope? They struggle. 
in my experience, there were there were blokes that used they used to be, they used to call them half man half mattress. They like literally <laughs> just, just didn't get out of bed, and they loved the lion. I can't. I'm not very good at. It. I'll do it every now and again, but I yeah, I'm an early riser. Set the itinerary or go with the flow. Go with the flow. Ultimate bucket list destination. Uh well, I, I'm going to go back to Japan. Uh, that's me. That's where I really want to go. And slightly different to what we said before, but your best travel memory. It could be where you met the love of your life, or you met your best mate, or something you did with someone. Oh, do you know what? We had a great, great holiday in Sri Lanka. <laughs> Anyway, thank you very much. What an amazing guest. Thank you very much, Mr. Fox. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Have you got anything else? What can we look what's happening next? When's the next series of S? I keep logging on to Four on Demand. Still no new celebrity. When's the next lot? So the regular one's just finished. The celeb one is coming sometime this year. That doesn't really narrow it down. Uh, And then we're going to be going away again soon. Right. uh, They're recruiting. Great. Well, Joseph Fox, thank you very much. Your bags are packed. Let's get that Israeli bandage out. Let's have a mental one. Nice one. See you later. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Pack Your Bags with Tui. That's all for our first episode. We have a lot more to come, so make sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast player of choice. And if you can't wait for more, we got you. Episode two with the wonderful historian, Bethany Hughes, is out now and we'll be back next Wednesday with gold medal winning Olympian Greg Rutherford where we will be sharing his top tips for travelling with family spoiler alert it involves a tin of tuna are you feeling inspired to go on your own adrenaline fueled adventure head to tui.co.uk now and find the perfect travel experience for you you can live happy riding snowmobiles in Lapland zip lining through the Costa Rican jungle or diving in Thailand sooner than you think Pack Your Bags was brought to you by TUI and produced by Chalk and Blade.